Hello and welcome to the Noodlebugs podcast, where we discuss aspects of the natural world. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Pip, how are you today? I'm great, thanks Ned. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited about this, my first podcast. So I'm very, very happy to be here. Well, I hope you enjoy your stay. Can we hear a little bit about yourself and what you do and what your job is and, you know, everything about, or not everything about you, that's a bit weird, but we would (laughs) like to know just, you know, what you're all about. Sure, yeah. Well, I'm a passionate environmentalist. I'd start by saying that. So I um, I studied environmental science and management at uni. Uh, and then after finishing my degree there, I went and started working for the um, Murray-Darling Basin Natural Resource Management Board in wetland management and monitoring. So I was going along the Coorong and Lower Lakes, which is in South Australia at the bottom of the River Murray. Uh, and I was Uh, working with community groups to monitor uh, the fish populations and the bird populations and water quality and just to see sort of how the health of those wetlands were and uh, then putting plans into place to manage them. Um, So that was a couple of years I did that for, which was lots of fun. And then I, um, and then I went into, then I got into consulting, which was um, unfortunately, moving away from the uh, the field work, which I loved, and it was more back desk based work, but writing plans still, um, and yeah, so that's where I've kind of been. But um, uh, I've finished now, and I'm not actually working in any paid um, environment roles at the moment. But I've still got a big passion for it, so I volunteer. Uh, with the local council um, on their recycling and waste management team, uh, trying to get their education out around waste reduction and um, and recycling. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. So I've got a bit of a uh, cross cross uh, background and things in all things environment, but I've generally just got a passion for anything environmental. <laughs> so, is there one thing you wish everyone knew about recycling? But I think with recycling, I think the first thing is when it starts with an R and the four great R's are refuse. So first of all, try and refuse to get by anything with extra packaging or um, or like say water bottles where we can buy our, we can have our own water bottles. So instead of buying all the water bottles um, disposable ones, just keeping one that we have with us all the time and just filling that up. So that reduces a lot of waste. So then, um, so refuse is the first one, reduce, try and reduce how much waste and then recycle, oh, sorry, reuse then, and then recycle. So I'd say recycling is the last sort of step. If we can't, if we've still got something in our hand that we need to get rid of, then hopefully we can recycle it. Each council area has different recycling sort of strategies and each state recycles things differently as well. So it is a bit tricky, but if we sort of start by looking at what we've got at home and what we're buying and trying to reduce as much as we can, um, that's a great start. Uh Uh-huh. 
Well, that's really interesting, and I hope a lot of people that listen to this podcast can try and follow in that demographic, because I think that is a very important thing to be doing. But what about some of the things that often aren't recycled, like things that nearly, well, a huge portion of the population has, such as devices like iPads, iPods, computers, stuff like that. Can that be recycled or what even happens to it? Yeah, so that's going to be a big issue and it already is all the e-waste and all the resources that go into making all these iPods and iPhones and um, iPads and computers. There's so many resources that go into into making these devices. So um, I think the first thing is... If it can be fixed, try and get it fixed. So if it's the screen is just broken, that doesn't mean we need to get rid of it and um, throw it away. And when we say throw it away, I always like to think that there is no actual away. When we throw things away uh, into the bin, they're not actually going away anywhere. They're going into landfill. So we want to try and keep as much things out of landfill going into a hole in the ground as we can. So, yeah, coming back to the e-waste, yeah, if we can get it fixed, try and get it fixed. Um, and then if you've got to get rid of it, then, yeah, take it to somewhere that does accept them. So lots of um, Apple stores and electronic stores that sell them are taking them back now to um, be taken away and broken down and all those imp- important components that are going into making them are, are being slowly it's a it's a long lot of work and it's really hard to get all these pieces out if we can use these things and not just upgrade things when we need them when the next sort of version comes out and keep on to them for as long as we can I've got a laptop which is from 2013 I've just had the software updated and you don't that doesn't mean you need to go out and get a new computer if you just get your software updated you can actually hold on to them and they work they still work really well so but when you when they do eventually become unusable because in our culture iPhones are pretty much necessary you need to you need them to do pretty much anything you need them to pay mm. or they're just such a big convenience for life so if you don't have one it makes life so much more difficult it's not really worth not having one so if you have one that isn't really working then you're going to need to get a new one eventually so it's still extremely important that they do eventually get reused in a sustainable and practical manner definitely yeah yeah so if we are going to get rid of them um yeah, they need to go. There is a lot of the mobile phone bins, so where you can buy your phones, you can you can take them in there, and then they um, they'll recycle them. So which involves sending them off, and then they're all being deconstructed, all the parts being taken apart, um, and it is time consuming and it is expensive and it's a, it's tricky. But um, as long as we make sure that these devices are going back to those re- recycle centres, then um, that's that's a great start. Just keeping them out of landfill because there's so many resources that go into making these devices. Um, so, yeah, if we can reuse them, those devices, uh, the, the resources that are in these devices, then, yeah, that's a great thing. Rather than going into, as I said, going into landfill um, and then 
they take thousands of years to break down and all the heavy metals and things that are in these leaching into the groundwater um, and that that can cause a lot of damage, environmental damage. What about the Coorong? Because I know that's something you specialise in. What is, at the moment, an issue with the ecosystem that's going on there in the Coorong? Yeah, so the Coorong is a beautiful part of the world down the in South Australia, down the bottom of the River Murray. So the river flows all the way down and then comes out into the lower lakes um, and that's predominantly fresh water and then it's, we've got a lock there that keeps the fresh water from the salt water but then on the other side of the lock is the salt water of the Coorong. So that's where the Murray Mouth um, is and that's where all the... The water flows through the Murray when it's healthy and the, and the river, the mouth is open, all the fresh water will flow out into, um, into the Coorong and then the Coorong will uh, filter the water and then it will go out through the River Murray. If there's not the, uh, the rainfall and we're not getting the environmental flow, so the water, the fresh water flowing down into the uh, lower lakes and Coorong, then there's no fresh water coming in and it just gets saltier and saltier and saltier because it's an estuarine environment. So the, the seawater comes in and then the, salt, the, the fresh water also goes in there and they mix around. If there's enough fresh water going in to flush that out, then you've got a big, a nice healthy system. But if there's no fresh water flushing that salt out, um, yeah, it just gets saltier and saltier and saltier and lots of organisms and plants and animals that live in that environment, which is what we call an estuarine environment, so a bit salt, a bit salty, um, but a bit and fresh water as well coming in. If if you're not getting that fresh water, it gets saltier, and the um, organisms and the life that lives there can't survive there. So then we start seeing really um, some really negative effects. I know when we were walking down there and it was, uh, there was no water, the Murray mouth closed over, so there was no water flowing out. And then there's an organism called a tube worm, which builds uh, sort of these calcium deposits. And they were starting to build on top of the turtle shells. So the turtle shells were coming calcified, then the turtles couldn't swim properly and then they'd get flipped over and then um, then they'd get preyed on by foxes or birds or anything. So, yeah, that was one sort of one effect of a lot of salt going in there. Oh, um, that's and then this, Yeah, so it, it wasn't good for the turtles. We had groups of school kids going out there and finding these turtles and taking them back in and um, cleaning them up and trying to get them... Uh, yeah, get all this uh, tube worm off them. Yeah, at the moment we're, we're getting a bit more flow because there's so much rainfall. There is um, over in the basin, there is a fair bit more fresh water going out at the moment. So it, it is stable at the moment. But if we're not getting that fresh water flow, which what is what we call environmental flow, so water that's left for the environment to flush out the river, then um, it just gets saltier and saltier. Then the system can't survive. And that would be very bad because we want, we want to keep as many ecosystems alive as possible with, because of all, these, all this logging and terrible things that have been happening, it's very important to protect our forests and our rivers and our planet. Definitely. And all the wetlands around the lower lakes. So wetlands play a really important role in river health. 
So the wetlands filter all the water. So if you, um, the water that's coming down rivers, if that can um, go flow off into wetlands and sit there, the wetlands provide a, um, a service where they essentially clean and filter the water before it reaches, before it goes back into the river and then flows out to sea. So the more wetlands and the healthier wetlands you've got, the better water quality you have flowing out to sea. So what would happen if there wasn't any wetlands? Would the world be the same or would there be a massive, I'm not sure what to call it, a massive crisis is what the word would be, isn't it? Yes, well, we we certainly have to look after the wetlands because, as I said, they, they provide the function of cleaning out water um, and also a lot of uh, fish and, well, like estuaries is what I was talking about before, estuaries and wetlands create a great um, nursery for fish. So lots of fish species breed in wetlands because it's um, the, the water flow is not so high, so it's a nice sort of uh, calm, protected waters for the fish to go in and breed. Also for frogs, they go in and breed because the water is sort of sits there um, and all the sediment falls out. So that's comes in there if you've got a really healthy sister healthy wetland with the vegetation all the reeds and the um and the water weeds and things like that grab all the they trap all the sediment so the the sediment then falls out and that creates um the cleaner water that you've got and then also a great environment for fish frogs turtles and all the wetland species to um to breed in so yeah wetlands they yeah they clean the water and um and also provide uh areas for all the debris to sort of flow into so it's not just flowing straight out to the river and that and again when all the debris so sticks and logs and things that go in there when that sort of settles in these wetlands again that's providing more habitat for all the for the creatures that live in there so they're like the filtration system of uh, of rivers. Aha. Uh-huh. So, without wetlands, the frogs frogs could go extinct, and that would be very bad because frogs are just so cool. <laughs> they are. Yeah. In South Australia, they have this thing where you get ten cents if you take your bottle back for like a juice or a beer. Mm, yeah, a deposit what, scheme. Yeah, whatever it is. And that's reuse because I'm pretty sure they reuse the bottles, right? So is reuse, does reuse trump recycling? Is it better? Well, if we can, yes, if we can reuse something before putting it into the recycle bin. So say uh, your jars, your glass jars at home, if you grab some honey or some jam or whatever it is, finish that jar um, wash it out and then you can use it again for, say, a, a vase or to put some more food in there if you're making some more food. So that is reusing it over and over again rather than putting it, if you do put it in the recycle bin, then it goes into that system that then does take a lot of resources to to re- actually recycle it. So to break it down, first of all, it needs to be collected by your curbside, then taken to a recycle centre, sorted through there, then needs to go to a um, 
to well sorted, then broken down into the glass, and then they remake the glass. So that whole process takes a lot of uh, more time and resources than if you were just to say reuse that jar at home. So I would say yes, it does probably trump recycling. So what actually when you when you do have to recycle something, what is the percentage of things that when you recycle them actually get recycled? Because they can't recycle everything because not all of it is usable. No. No, that's right. And we don't have the uh the technology to recycle a lot of things yet, but at this stage, mostly um what is getting recycled is your aluminium cans. So and metals, metals can be recycled over and over and over again and they don't become any uh flimsier or worse off than when they start when you started with it so yeah metal is a great thing so aluminium cans tin cans all of those are great for recycling because they can be infinitely recycled over and over and over again um, and then if we move on to uh, glass so glass bottles um, the all your glass can be recycled so clear glass green glass and to an extent brown glass uh, but that is so clear glass can be recycled over and over once it starts getting contaminated with your different grasses then it starts um, losing as like the, the quality so then you move down to say the brown glasses and things and then we get down to the hard plastics so hard plastics again with the bottles they can be recycled into again back into making more plastic bottles um, but then when it gets a, then you get down to different types of packaging, then it gets can get tricky. So if it's a formed glass, if it's a, a hard plastic, which if you crumple and then it goes back into that shape again, that's what we call a hard plastic. And most of that can be recycled. Um, they recycle that, they can recycle that back into, um, our council at the moment is using a lot of that, those hard plastics to make into benches. So park benches and, um, those stops that they put in car parks. So the cars don't like the tire bumps. I don't know if you've noticed those. A lot of those are made out of, uh, not speed bumps, but you know, in a car park, it, there's a, a, a big um, a bar that sort of goes at the back of the car park to stop the cars from going further back. Um, yeah, so there, a lot of those are made out of recycled plastics now. Um, so, yeah, those the hard plastics can be recycled. And then, again, if you go into soft plastics, so sort of glad wraps or if you get a plastic off any packaging that you can crumple up and that doesn't go back into that shape, then they can be recycled if you take them into um, a supermarket. So the Coles and Woolworths uh, have a sister called Re- uh, Red Cycle and a lot of that has the uh, tag on it and it says Red Cycle and you can take that back in and, um, and they'll recycle that all into these um, plastic products. Is, is recycling really going to work forever because it seems like recycling is like a it's kind of a circle plastic gets used and then it gets recycled and then once it's been recycled it gets used again and then gets recycled again but 
if there's bit more plastic being made anyway, then won't there eventually... There's still becoming more and more and more plastic and none of it's get going away. None of the plastic's being dis, dis, just disappearing mm. because you can't really make plastic disappear. That's, that's right, and that's a great point. That's what we're trying to get to, and that's the ultimate goal in recycling and packaging is to get a circular economy, we call it. So that is if we start um, having the same plastics being recycled, make it back into plastics, and then if our packaging can be made of recycled plastic and not creating new plastic then that would be the ultimate goal. So we're not creating, we're not making new plastic. If we can use the plastic that we already have to then recycle, make back into plastic, then you get that circular economy going rather than ha- making more plastic because at the end of the day, more plastic plastic is made out of fossil fuels. So when they're making these fo- plastics, they're burning fossil fuel. So it's not good to be make, making them and then it's not good also for the waste if they don't get recycled and end up in landfill or in the oceans. So, yeah, ideally we'll get to the point and the technology is slowly getting to that way but we need our governments and councils to start um, making that the rule that it needs to be no new plastics and all our packaging needs to be um, made out of recycled plastic. I certainly agree with that, but it's a bit, it's a bit hard to actually do because there's constantly more humans being born. So if there is, if there's all those humans that are, keep appearing, then the, if we're always using the same amount of plastic then that wouldn't really work because there would be less plastic per human so you wouldn't be able to actually use plastic as what it's for. Ideally, plastic doesn't get used in the first place for anything, but that's we're already kind of in too deep, I feel, to stop that. Mm, If you could try, that would be ideal. But how can we get so it's less packaging used in your everyday life so that wouldn't be as much of a problem. Yeah, well, that's what we can all start looking at, how we can reduce our consumption of uh, and purchasing of plastic. Hello, Max. Um, So, yeah, so when when we're going shopping and we can look at things, we can choose not to buy plastic. So if you go, you can take your... Start by taking your shopping bags in um, so you don't have to get plastic shopping bags. So if you take your reusable shopping bags in and then also with your, fr- your small fruit and veg, you can get those small little bags. I don't know if you've seen the produce bags. They're always also reusable rather than getting the plastic bags. You can get your, um, your small produce reusable bags. Uh, And then when you're choosing things, rather than buying, say, a bag of carrots in a plastic bag, get the single um, carrots and put them in your produce bags. Or then, yeah, if if you're always looking for products, if there is a less plastic uh, option, then go for that. Um, And also in supermarkets, they, um, yeah, 
they they will quite often I know they're phasing out plastic bags or they've phased them out here in South Australia but also with those small produce bags now they've got um compostable bags as well so um you can use all your you can put all your scraps and things in there at the end of the day and then um chuck them in your compost bin so yeah if you just try and choose as um well refuse the plastic to start with but then if there is no other option then if you look in if it is the red cycle and you can put that soft plastic into the bin that will be recycled um and then go back into making more plastic, then at least you're sort of getting that circular economy that you were talking about before. Um, and then that goes back into making more plastic. But if we think about it, all the plastic that's been um, ever been made is still on this planet. So it's not going anywhere. It doesn't break down. Um, the, only, the only thing for it is to, for us to start um, recycling it. Because, yeah, as I said, all the plastic that's ever been made is not going anywhere. It doesn't break down. If it does, it takes thousands of years to break down. So, um, yeah, we've got to try and reuse what we've got. Well, I heard at one point that there was a fungus that could destroy and break down plastic much faster. So why isn't that being used more? I heard it was quite a recent discovery, but shouldn't we start growing that as much as possible and trying to, you know, remove? Yeah, well, that's absolutely. Yeah, I heard that too. And I I don't know a lot about it, but I heard the technology and people are working on all of these new technologies and new ways because it is going to be a huge issue. So is recycling just a Band-Aid solution? Do we need to change our ways on a fundamental level? I think as a whole, the whole world does need to in a fundamental way. Um, it, it It's a huge issue, waste and just consumption of things and disposing of things um, is is huge but if we bring it down and it can get overwhelming when you think about like how much waste and um, and, and of, of cons- consumption is going on but if we sort of bring it down to what we can do as individuals and um, in our own communities, then there is quite a quite a bit that we can do. So if we sort of start looking at what we can do individually, um, then that's a great start. So again, going back to the refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle. So refusing to buy things for the sake of buying it. Like, can we start looking at fixing things, learning how to fix things, and buy? If we do buy things, let's make them quality things that aren't going to break. Um, and then if we actually do have to, then trying to dispose of them in correct ways so they're not going into landfill. Um, just keeping things out of landfill, I think, is the number one thing that we sort of need to think about. So every time we go to the bin, think about where where does this need to go? Does it go – do we want to go – do we want it to go in a hole in the ground? No. Well, then can we – if it grew, we've got a good saying here, um, if, if it grew, then if it grew, then it can go in the green bin. So we've got the red light system, which is green. First of all, can it, if it grew, can it go in the green bin? And then can we, can we compost it? And then, then if not, then can it, can it be recycled? And if not, then the waste is the last, um, landfill is the last sort of option. 
But things like batteries, they don't need to go into the into landfill. They shouldn't be going into landfill. Batteries can be recycled at supermarkets. Soft plastics can be recycled. So are there many things that don't fit into those three criteria? Uh, well, it's different, again, for each council area and different states do recycling different. Um, but... In general, if you if you can set up a composting um, a compost bin or a worm farm, or if you've got chickens and you can keep your food scraps out of waste, um, then that's a great start. Mm-hmm. So you can do all these things locally, like you can start recycling all those things. But how important is it in the whole world? If you have everything, if you're worrying about climate change, can, will it make much of a difference if you try your very, even if you try your very hardest, is it going to be as important as trying to stop big industry things like ships, cars and planes? Are they the main culprits or is it a bit of everyone's plastic that you might just throw away without even thinking about it or is it something that's mainly cars ships planes factory farming Mm. i think with everything it it's all about what we can do as individuals so we might not be able to change what industry can do but if we start all doing if we all start doing our our best to do what we can and starting with recycling not wasting things, not buying stuff that we don't need to so, so it gets thrown away. If we all do our own thing, then um, then industry will follow and it will change through um, consumers. If we start refusing to buy the things that are packed in plastic and, um, and styrofoam and all these things that is just wasteful, then if we start sort of voting with our money or with our dollars and choosing not to buy things that are going to break and then they're not worth the value then yeah I suppose we can we can get away from that. What would a perfect world look like to you in your eyes what is the (laughs) ideal world? Uh, Well in terms of uh, waste reduction and recycling uh, I think with that circular economy so if we if we are using plastics it's all recycled if we because we do need to use plastics we still need um a lot of pack or some plastic packaging but if that's made no new plastics to be made and just use whatever resources and what what we already have let's just reduce the yeah reduce the waste recycle what we can um reuse where we can and um yeah I think that's just less waste. (laughs) Well, it's been lovely talking to you, Pippa Holmes. I'm so happy we can have you on this podcast, and I'm sure you've enjoyed it too. At least I hope you have. I have, Ned. Thank you very much. It's been great. All right. That will be the end of this session for for today, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.
congratulations, you've made it to the end of this Noodlebugs podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Look out for other Noodlebugs podcasts that may be coming soon, and have a good day.